great introduction. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. We are John and Krista Castle, and we are at the midpoint now of our series on dynamic family. So last week, we talked about encouragement, and we talked about how encouragement can be received in a number of different methods or manners, about how we can receive it in the form of comfort. Uh, we can receive it in the form of encouraging a gift, you know, and, and inspiring a talent um, or, or a, 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 an ability to develop. And then we talked about how comfort can be received by communicating God's faithfulness when we get knocked down and uh, we need to be picked back up again. <clears throat> then we t- went through how we be- can become more effective encouragers. And the first and foremost point was to be able to receive God's encouragement directly from him. And we do that through his word, and we do that through prayer, and then we do that through fellowship with one another. And that sometimes we just don't feel like we're getting the encouragement that we need. And so we need to trust God to, uh, to give us that encouragement in his own way and in his own timing. And then finally, to be good listeners. Um, and listen in a way that makes us accessible and responsive and engagement, engaging. <clears throat> so this week, we're going to address this topic of admonishment. And admonishment is it's a, it's a tricky topic because unlike encouragement, um, encouragement, you know, it's easy. <clears throat> and it really, you know, we can deliver it in so many different ways and because it's positive, Right. But admonishment is really easy to get it wrong. And uh, so what does the Bible say about it? Should we admonish one another? Are we called to do that? Or should we just, you know, as Christians, focus on loving one another and, and you know, letting the, the bad things just go and ignoring them? And so the word admonishment, it means a correction through some type of a verbal conver- uh, confrontation or a conversation. But the key is that it should be motivated by genuine concern, real concern for the other person. And uh, so it means more practically to rebuke somebody or to, to, to give a correction or a, a warning uh, regarding some type of an attitude or action that's going on with that person. <clears throat> and so all of us, from time to time, need to hear admonishment. Um, you may not agree. If you don't agree, ask your family. Um, but uh, just some practical examples, you know, a parent, obviously the most, the most obvious one, parent uh, admonishing a child, maybe a teenager for irresponsible time management, uh, maybe a younger child for not, or any child for not being loving, you know, to their brothers and sisters, or a child can, ad- can address a parent. Uh, for not being attentive. Remember last week we talked about uh, a thing that we have in our family where, you know, our daughter says, pay attention to me. And um, that's really important. So um, a husband, for example, admonishing a wife, and it's something that you hear a lot in your practice, is uh, is putting the children before the marriage. And, um, And then finally with siblings, you know, a brother to a brother saying, dude, what are you doing with your life? Um, why are you disrespecting mom and dad like that? Um, and then finally, a friend to a friend. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really happy that you're in this relationship and you really like this guy, but, you know, I'm concerned about maybe 
whether or not you're keeping it, whether you're honoring God with this relationship or keeping it appropriate. So, so you're going to talk about um, how admonishment and encouragement are related to each other. Yes. And so just thinking about the word admonishment, it's funny. We said that to a friend yesterday, and for some reason everybody goes, oh, you know, it's, it's definitely not as easy as encouragement. However, it, they are both motivated by God's love. And so I think we have to keep it in that context where encouragement is easy because it's, it's positive. And encouragement is about encouraging people about God's promises, and that's all, that's all great. But we have to see admonishment the same way because it's about encouraging us to trust in God's word that his moral absolutes are still true and good, just like his promises are good. We can't see them any different. And unfortunately, in this culture and this climate today, um, you know, when you think about it, how much are we seen as intolerant if we try to, you know, stand by God's moral absolutes? And so... Um, so we're pro- moving, it seems like we're moving more and more that way, though. I don't remember any time in, in my life growing up where it's, um, there's just more of a, um, a moral relativism in our culture, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, go ahead. I just wanted you to put up the scripture. Oh, it is up. Was that up? <laughs> <laughs> it is now. It might have been up. So, we got Romans. It says, In concerning you, my brothers, I myself am also convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to admonish one another. And so, this will be like an admonishment today for me and for (laughs) y'all regarding what it says up there. I can't admonish if I don't know the Bible. And so I think what I see so often when we are compromising God's moral absolutes is because we don't know what God says in the Bible. And so if we are to believe that we are to be light in the darkness, we are, you know, sitting on a hilltop. I mean, if that's what we really believe as Christians, we have to know what God is saying. We just have to know because he is, I think, more so than I can remember in my life, I think we are called to know what he says because he says his word brings life. And if I don't know that, I can't bring life to others, and we we just cannot compromise on those truths. Now, they're not, you know, we admonish one another. It's not always some heavy moral absolute, for sure. Um, Sometimes it is, uh, well, we're going to get to see a video of of an example, but at 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 the bottom line is this. Regardless, as believers, any kind of admonishment, whether it's a you know heavy moral absolute, I have to ask myself this: you know, the law of life and, and is to love God and to love others, and so that's what I have to ask myself. If I'm being admonished, is what I'm doing not loving God, not being a good witness for Him, or not loving others? And Brett and Allison have a great example of this, which we will show. Oh. Let me make sure we're good. Okay, we're good. <laughs> we're seated the same way. Are we really? Look at this. We've only been married for about a year and a half. Uh-huh. Got married in November of 2018. Um, but we just want to share you, just... Share you? No. <laughs> You're such a... <laughs> Sometimes. 
<laughs> That's gonna make it in the group. Hello everyone, uh, my name is Brett. This is my wife, Allison. I gotta get a drink. Oh my gosh. Hey LCC, it's Allison Machat here. My husband will be coming, but he needed a drink. Anyway, we're gonna talk to you all about admonishing because we have marriage problems. I'm just kidding, we don't, but our cell group thinks we do. <laughs> One area in our life that we have admonished each other in is definitely talking about our different paces of life. If you know us well, or if you've even just gone and gotten a meal with us, you would realize that we live at different paces. When we go and we eat dinner, I eat very, very slowly. Um, and Allison eats rather quickly. To the point where sometimes <laughs> I'm taking my first bite, and she's like halfway done. And it's not its not so much her. Sometimes I think it's me. I, I just... I mean, I eat really, like I eat faster, I'd say, than the average person too, so that doesn't help. But. I'm slow as molasses though when it comes to, to eating, but our differences allowed us to speak into each other's lives um, and, in a sense, admonish each other in those ways because we realized, hey, you know, sometimes living slow isn't, isn't best, and in the same way, sometimes living fast isn't always best. Do you want to talk about what that Yeah, that so like? I will be the first to admit I am like a people pleaser. I am a sure, yep, I can do it kind of person. If anybody asks me to do anything, I'm usually like, uh-huh, yeah, okay. And um, so I don't have the gift of saying no. And I, because I move at a faster pace, I can cram a lot into it. Yeah, I definitely worked at a faster pace and Brett definitely um, was a slower pace. So like when we got married, we had a lot of um, give and take, but it took a while to kind of learn that. And Brett, because he tends to move at a slower pace, was actually able to speak really well into, hey, you're running around and you're not a very pleasant person <laughs> because when I overcommit, people who are closest to me get the brunt of everything. So although on the outside and for everybody else that I'm doing things for, I look like I got it together at home. That leaves me short-tempered. Um, things that are important to me to get done in the home, I don't and then I get frustrated and I lash out and so Brett's really good about speaking into me of like yeah I'm gonna say no for you or we didn't I'm not asking you <laughs> to do this because I know you will and I don't want you to. Allison had a really good place to come from with just how active she is and how much she does accomplish um, to really speak into my life and to draw me out and to call me to just a higher standard of living in some ways and to just say, hey, you know, you, you've been sitting on your butt all day. Maybe it'd be good to, to go do something. And I know on my own, I would have just relaxed, been lazy. I think lazy, it's a harsh word, but I'm willing to say it for myself. And she's really come alongside of me and um, drawn me out in, in ways that I think are very God honoring. And I just want to give a caveat that like, this took us, I mean, it's taken us years to, to figure out what does it look like to, you know, be encouraging in our admonishing. Um, because at first it was very harsh, you know, it was, it was very harsh the ways that we spoke to each other. And I'm glad that you talked about pride because I think a lot of it with how we've um, gotten better at speaking into each other's lives was just coming from a stance of humility, whether you're the one speaking or you're the one receiving and just remembering that, you know, resting on the fact that I know this person cares about me. I know they're doing it because they love me and they care about me. I need to take this, even if it's hard to swallow. Um, and yeah, I, I, we're not perfect. I can think back to a time two weeks ago when 
we tr I tried to speak into her life and just I did a very poor job and we <laughs> got into a huge argument for like over an hour. I think timing when you speak in somebody's life is always important. If you're obviously like at odds or you can tell somebody is stressed, I mean Brett knows like two weeks ago. If I'm like at max capacity yeah. and you try to point out something like a flaw yeah. in my life when I'm like already here, that's probably not going to go over well and it's not going to be received well. And it doesn't mean that what he's saying isn't true and that I don't need to reflect on it, but it doesn't allow for like a helpful, loving conversation. It usually just allows for hurt feelings and anger. So I think when considering or when you need to talk and speak in truth into each other's lives, I think timing and being careful about it yeah. is key for it to be what a great picture of um, healthy grace-based admonition um, and we need to be able to handle both giving and receiving admonition with grace but you can just feel a sense of humility and an openness towards one another between Brett and Allison I mean we could end it right here that was just such a great a great picture um, but usually receiving admonition can really hurt. It's hard to hear because it's something, you know, I'm a prideful person, so it's, it's hard to hear somebody tell me some, what's wrong, something that's wrong with me. And um, Hebrews says it like this, all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, Afterwards, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. And so it's comforting to me that God knows that it hurts. He says it's sorrowful. It's hard. It is hard to hear. And, and he's, um, he's empathetic to that in Scripture. But if we're trained by it or if we learn from it, if we're open to it, then there's this, this gift that we get in, in return, which is this peaceful fruit of righteousness. And so, you know, Philippians talks about how we're being perfected day by day until the time that, that Jesus comes. And so each time that we're able to hear admonishment or hear something about ourselves and learn from it and be taught from it, then we're just moving a little bit further down that path towards perfection. And that's really what, what this is about. And, you know, we want to become more Christ-like at every opportunity. So if we learn to receive it property, properly, we can profit from it. So talk about why we have such an aversion to hearing admonishment. Well, I look at that scripture and it says those who have been trained by it. And so like we've been talking about, we've been talking about comfort. How did I experience comfort growing up? So the other side of the coin is... How did I experience admonishment or conflict uh, or correction? And so, you know, I look at that and I think, wouldn't it just be great if we could just do that so perfectly that we have the peaceful fruit of righteousness? So our challenge is to learn from this moving forward, not beating up, you know, our history or our parents or anything, but we really have to examine how did I experience it? If I did not experience it in a positive content, if there wasn't repair, if I didn't feel a confidence that my parents still loved me, or, well, we'll start with there. So our history, from our history, we have a result out of that, how we receive, how we think about admonishment, 
and what our tendencies are and, and just, you know, our different tendencies like I've talked to you guys about. As a pleaser, for me, it's all about harmony, connection, closeness for John. So for me, if I, you know, I think about the word admonishment, I'm like, wow, I, I don't know if I want to give it and I'm not sure if I want to receive it because it makes me anxious because my fear is there's going to be a disconnect. And for some people like John, a tendency might be to withdraw. So if there's an admonishment, um, really, really sometimes no matter how well it's done or how harsh it's done, I think that tendency was with that type of emotion. Shut down. Shut down, right, yeah, withdraw, withdraw, withdraw. And so then we have other tendencies where if somebody has, even in love, an admonishment or a correction, you know, based on my, what I saw in my history, I might view that as an attack. And so my tendency might be, oh, yeah, really? I'm going to just attack you back. And, well, what about you? And I saw it, and so nothing gets done. And then we can have another tendency, which is to say, um, give me the specifics. When did you see it? I don't think so. I want all, you know, it's like. Hire unless, a lawyer. Basically, yeah. yeah. And so, honestly, you guys, we have to be able to think through this. How do I receive admonishment? What did I experience in my childhood growing up? If I don't consider that, I'm not going to change. If I don't consider how do I receive admonishment from my friends, from my brother, sister, mother, father, husband, wife, if I don't slow down enough to consider what do I do when somebody, maybe even imperfectly, corrects me, as believers, can I be different? Can I take that information in and learn and grow from it? Um, it's one of the keys is having an accurate view of God's grace. If I don't know my identity, like the very first layer that we talked about, if I don't know what God says about me and who I am, it is really, really hard to take an admonishment from somebody. But if I understand who God is and I have a strong identity in God, I've had my own discipline from him. I've been in the quiet times reading my Bible, you know, praying, whatever, and I've had that check in my spirit where God has said, uh-uh, nope, got to put this down. Nope, got to go apologize. Nope, you did this wrong. Nope, call the kids, whatever. But because I understand my identity in Christ, because I understand that he loves me no matter what. He is the ultimate secure attachment. I can hear that correction from him, and I don't have fear. I can hear that correction from him and know he's not going anywhere. I have that security and that confidence. And, and honestly, if we don't have that view in our relationships that we're not going anywhere, just like God is not going anywhere, we have to be that for each other. Because if I don't, the brain, the way the brain receives correction, admonishment, whatever you want to call it, it goes into the fear part of our brain. And so I can see, re, I can see admonishment as rejection. And if my brain sees it as rejection, I'm going to feel it in the pain centers of my brain. And then I'm not going to be able to think. And so one of the things that has been the most critical thing in my last 10 years after some of the stuff that I've learned is going back to that, are you there for me? Are you accessible? Are you responsive? Are you engaged? After I 
God's going to call us to admonish people, to correct people, whoever it is. Am I the kind of person, though, that when I do this, does that person on the other side of me know I'm not going anywhere? I'm there for you. I'm accessible when you need me to be. I'm going to be responsive if you want to talk about it. I'm going to be engaged with you on the subject if you would like. We have to do that or we can't be effective admonishers. I like what Proverbs says. Uh, There's a couple passages that are really prominent in Proverbs in regards to this. If you reject discipline, you only harm yourself. But if you listen to correction, you grow in understanding. Fear of the Lord teaches wisdom, and humility precedes honor. So what are all, what, what's coming out of receiving admonition there? Understanding, wisdom, and honor. And that's just an awesome, awesome promise. This verse says it a little more plainly. Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. And, and I looked up four different versions, and I read it. Uh, the the uh, you know commentary so forth it means stupid so um, so you talked about how we think about admonition mm-hmm. right and how that relates to our identity and who God says we are and then one of the next keys or one of the other keys is to really once you go through that process and we get past that that primary emotional response, right, mm-hmm. that, that knee-jerk reaction, um, really the next step is to focus on the content. You know, it's a, I, admonition hopefully is a labor of love, no matter what kind of relationship it is. Um, and, and so the question is, is there validity? You know, is this a behavior or a tendency or an attitude that I have? You know, all of us have some kind of blind spot in our character. The very thing that makes us interesting in a unique way, typically there's a flip side of that characteristic that makes us annoying (laughs) in some kind of unique way, right? And the reason why usually is because it's a blind spot. We can't see it. You know, those any driver knows that there's that spot behind your car that you just can't see. And by the same token, there's a spot typically in our personality, in our character, that, that we can't see either. And, so, and I know most of the new cars have the blind spot warning mm-hmm. and so forth, so that the analogy breaks down a little bit there. But anyway, um, uh, but, uh, so you know, we just need to be aware of that and um, you know, be thankful that other people are willing to, um, to point that out. And then really the best response then is to thank that person. You know, think about, are you the kind of person where if somebody wants to correct you on something, do you make them pay a price for it? And that's, you know, then, then you become, well, actually you shut down other people in your life, you know, and you shut down those relationships. Some of the best friendships that I have are, uh, have we've been through conflict and admonishment to one another, and we've been able to work through it in a biblical way, and that that is saying no to, uh, to Satan who wants to divide us and overcoming it through biblical love. And those are the best friendships that I have. And so, um, and then the other question is, you know, is there, is there something that God wants me to see? So, obviously. So, 
what do we do if we don't agree with what this person is trying to point out to us? It's a great question. It's a great question, and I just want to add to what he said. It is a labor of love. If, and I don't, I don't know too many people who love to give admonishment, but I just want to say it's I scary. agree. It's yeah. scary. And the people that I love and respect the most and feel actually the most safest with are those people that are willing to correct me or admonish me because I know how hard it is to give it. And it's like saying to somebody, I love you so much, even if you reject me, which is awful, even if you reject me, I love you so much, I see you walking off of a cliff, I'm going to tell you, even if you reject me. I mean, I don't think there is really a greater love that a friend can have for somebody than to do that for, for another. But So I wanted to add to that, but to answer your question, um, so in my history of you know growing up in the church or whatever... Um, these have been four, what I call four pillars of what I like to consider really every day with everyone in every interaction because it is so critical to being able to see people through the lens of Christ, I think. And I think this was just taken from different people that I read over the years that I thought, man, that is a good thing. And we call them the four pillars in the Castle family. And the first one is being able to give each other the benefit of the doubt. Like, if I approached people, can you imagine today, just in the climate that we have today, if everybody I approached, no matter how they were acting, what they were doing, if I said, you know what, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt, how different things would be. Assuming positive intent. Gosh, how many times have I decided what somebody's motivation is before they've even, you know, hardly opened their mouth? Mm -hmm. So assume positive intent. Seek to understand. This was probably my most favorite of all of them. If I am being admonished, if somebody is correcting me, if something somebody else is doing does not make sense to me, which a lot of things going on right now do not make sense to me, and I had to be admonished because things weren't making sense and I wasn't handling it well. But when I seek to understand, when I really want to know why, I can see people through more of a Christ-like lens. Help me understand why you're reacting this way. With a heart, really, to understand. Um, And then the last one, and I love this one also, it's believing that people are doing the best that they can with the skills, with the knowledge, and the resources that they have today. And it's why I said in our very first session, or not session, but uh, meeting, whatever here, is that we, when we look back at our parents and their parents, I can't look back and blame and shame my mom and dad Mm. because I know that they were doing the best that they could with the tools, knowledge, and resources that they had back then. And I'll tell you what, as a parent, so was I. As a friend, so am I. As a spouse, so am I. I don't know know anybody that would say, yep, I get up and I'm going to try not to do the best that I can today. I don't care where you are. So these are the four pillars that, you know, we try to live by, and I teach it, and I share it with anybody who will listen because it's changed my view of people and how I respond to people and how I receive from people. And, you know, my experience for myself has been, you know, the hurt or the defensiveness of, and the, the you know, the taking the bite out of pride, you know, it makes it easy for me to build a case against the other person so that I don't have to look at myself. Mm-hmm. And building a case is just really, I think, the, 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 
it, all of these apply to that. Yeah. And we start, you know, questioning or making up stories about what that person's motivation is. And um, so I think that's probably the biggest uh, area where we get it wrong. And so we're just looking for that reason uh, to make ourselves feel better. And so let's talk about how we can give an admonition in a healthy way. There we go. Matthew <clears throat> says, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the offense. And if the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. And so it's reinforcing the fact that it is appropriate to go and address that other person. And it may not be a sin against you either, as we've talked about. You know, it could be just something that's harmful to that person, but it still applies. And so we need to start by prayerfully and honestly, I think my fingers are too dry. It's like when I can't dial on my iPhone. Okay. Prayerfully and honestly, excuse me, consider our motivation. You know, we got to look at ourselves first. Before we, before we want to address somebody else, we got to really do some introspection. And um, ask yourself this question. Is this thing that I'm addressing really for their good? Or am I reacting or responding to my own irritation or hurt or anger? And here's the thing. If you cannot answer that question honestly, then we can't trust our judgment. I'm going to say that again. If you cannot answer that question honestly, then your judgment, you should question your judgment seriously. So, and this is the, really the biggest area where we get it wrong because we're human, we're sinful, we're real people, you know, and it's really, really hard to just only uh, address something that's particularly in marriage and family relationships um, uh, where there's conflict and there's disagreement and so forth. Um, trying to address somebody with the wrong motivation really is the easiest way to spark a conflict and to start an argument. And so it's like, as an example, um, my son, you know, he, he, when I go to him and say, you know, when you're really shut down or when you don't talk to me, it makes me feel like you don't care about me. Or coming to him and saying, you know, you seem really quiet and you're really shut down. Are you okay? You know, what's going on? And so one is about me, and one is about him. And it's a very, very subtle difference. Mm -hmm. but, uh, but it's an important difference. And so let's talk through just quickly some uh, kind of some guidelines uh, to delivering an, uh, admonishment or admonishing one another. First of all, I want it to be in an encouraging context. You know, I'm really glad that, that you found that new guy and you seem to really, really like him. Um, just want to... I ask you a couple questions about, you know, are you honoring God with your relationship? Or is it, is it you know, appropriate in, in every way? So that way. Um, face, being face-to-face -face rather than, you know, no email, no text message, no phone call. We really wait. Take the time to get in front of that person so that you can, uh, you can see their reaction. You can 
feel that emotional response so you can react to that and uh, it's just much, much more effective. Be direct. You know, don't hem and haul around or don't stumble. You know, know what you're going to say and just say it. Uh, don't beat around the bush. And whenever possible, appeal to Scripture. You know, have that. Now, I'm not saying beat people over the head with Scripture. Um, that's not cool. It's it, You know, it may apply, but but we just want to be careful how you use that, particularly with kids, you know. Um, uh, but be... And that requires us to be in the Word and be reading, too. So um, be constructive. Um, think about ahead of time, and I think I heard this from Brett and Allison's videos, what can I, is, there, is there anything I can do to help you kind of work through this issue? And so it's obvious that you're there to help, you know, not just address something, but I want to, you know, I, I want to help you build uh, from that as well. And then finally, and most importantly, is to be patient. And here's a key truth. The Holy Spirit convicts. We do not convict. And so when you're addressing something with somebody, lay down the right to get their agreement in the moment. And the most effective way to convince somebody, particularly if they don't agree, is to pray. And trust that the Holy Spirit would, will, especially if it's a moral or a biblical issue, trust that the Holy Spirit will convict that person. And how many times did we learn that, you know, and when we were um, having issues in, in our marriage, and, you know, Krista would say something to me, and I may have objected to it or had a defensive reaction, or vice versa, and you know, as we're in our word, as we're praying, you know, the Holy Spirit kind of comes along and goes, okay, there's some truth to that. There's something I needed to hear that. And then to come back, to have that person come back a week or two later or whatever and say, you know what, I've been thinking about that, and, and you're right. How many times? <laughs> yeah, several, several times. And so that's what we have for you this morning, and I want to just end on this scripture for us. It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And folks, if we get this right, we get this right in the body, in, in, in our cell groups, in our relationships with one another, then this is really the key to working out our differences. And, you know, if we are really getting beneath the surface in our relationships, particularly in our fellowship, if we're close enough, then we're going to chafe. We're going to rub up against each other, and we're going to irritate each other from time to time. If we're not, we're not close enough, really, because that means we're up here on the surface. And there's, I can't stand being on the surface. <laughs> and so... As we grow closer to one another and we rub up against each other and we chafe every now and then, these are the tools that help us work through those differences in a healthy and a biblical way. And if we can do that, all of our relationships will grow deeper and, and stronger and healthier. Yeah. So. I'm going to just add one thing. 
like I said earlier, that if we really believe, really believe that God's word brings life, we cannot compromise on his word. We cannot compromise on his truth. We have to know what he says. I think more so than ever, although I'm sure people have said that throughout time, but more so than ever, if we want to bring life to our friends, to our family members, to our children, we have to stand on his truth. I just felt like I needed to say that again. And also one of my most favorite scriptures in the world is it says, love conquers when an offense is overlooked. We're going to be offended by how people approach us. Like this list is so, it's so perfect. If we could perfectly do that every time, that would be incredible, but we're not. And so love conquers when an offense is overlooked. If somebody says it to you and they're a little offensive in their approach, love conquers when it's overlooked. I'll end on that. Will you pray with us? Father, I don't want to be stupid. <laughs> um, we thank you, God, that, um, that you give us the grace to be able to hear truth from one another and that because of our identity, because of who you say we are, that we are perfect and we are blameless, that we can stand on that grace, Lord, to hear from other people who you use as your mouthpiece and we can hear about our humanness, about our weaknesses, and about those areas, Lord, that you want to continue to perfect us and conform us to the character of Christ. And we just thank you, God, for that amazing gift and we ask that you would help us to understand these truths, to practice these truths um, so that you know, we can love one another and so that we can grow stronger and more, really more authentic um, and more real in our relationships. And so thank you for your word this morning. And uh, we love you and we praise you and we lift all these prayers up to you in Jesus' name. Amen.